This is Bobby Guy with the 10-Minute Health BizCast. This is album one, track 10. With us today is David Roth, who's a board member of Project Lyme, a nonprofit focused on eradicating Lyme disease. David is a leader in real estate private equity in New York, who retired from Blackstone in 2017, but has been enticed back into the market to a leadership position at Aries. He contracted Lyme disease personally in 2010, and since then has been involved working with a number of nonprofits on eradicating Lyme disease. He began working with Project Lyme in 2017, and he's passionate about making a difference when it comes to Lyme disease in the world. David, we're happy to have you with us today. Thanks, Bobby. Good to speak with you. So tell us about Project Lyme and its mission. So Project Lyme's mission is to eradicate the epidemic of tick-borne diseases through awareness and education, support for cutting-edge science, and advocacy for solutions to end the suffering. Uh, and that's the suffering that's born of not just Lyme disease, which is the uh, disease that most people have heard of, but probably don't know much about, uh, but also uh, what we call co-infections, the other pathogens, and there are 14 that, are, uh, that we know about and every year seem to find additional ones. Uh, they also cause uh, you know, uh, illness. And so um, I, I was suffering from Lyme and uh, Babesia. Uh, and Project Lyme is um, uh, focused on you know, all of those, uh, everything under the rubric of tick-borne disease. So I alluded to it in our opening, but let's talk about your personal experience with Lyme and Debezia and how you got involved in the charities that are chasing down the eradication of this disease. I was in my early 40s um, and I was, uh, you know, totally healthy, Uh, you know, went to the gym three or four times a week, ate healthy. Uh, And I woke up one day with uh, flu-like symptoms just seemed to continue. Uh, so I would say a week or 10 days into it, I went to my doctors. They did a bunch of tests. They couldn't figure out what it was. They said it's probably a virus come back, you know, uh, in a few weeks if it still hasn't gone away. Uh, I kept um, getting worse and worse, and the symptoms would evolve uh, into, you know, not just flu-like symptoms and aches and pains in my uh, gut, um, in my joints, I started to have difficulty breathing, uh, night sweats. I kept going back to the same doctor and every time she would say to me, uh, you, you know, we can't figure out what you have. You probably just have a virus come back. About four months into it to a doctor who could look at me, uh, for, uh, something that had come up on the original blood report, which is a high level of mercury in my blood, which is something that's not uncommon for people going through Lyme disease had gone to him. Uh, and you know, he sent my blood work, uh, to a variety of places. And for the first time after having, I think by then I had two or three Lyme tests that were all negative. Uh, he, uh, a blood test came back as saying I was positive for Lyme disease. This was about maybe five months into my illness and the illness had continued to get worse and morph into different kinds of, uh, problems. Um, and, and so I ended up going back to the original doctor and I said, 
um, you know, I had this Lyme test and this doctor said, literally said to me, uh, I don't really know anything about Lyme. I don't know anything about that test, but Lyme disease is a slippery slope and you don't want to go there. And so I left that practice uh, and I ended up finding a doctor who, you know, really understood tick-borne disease uh, and treated uh, many, many patients uh, for these kind of illnesses. I ended up on, uh, I would say, lots of antibiotics and lots of other drugs, uh, as well as uh, a lot of supplementation, uh, went off alcohol, went off coffee. But I finally, about a year and a half after starting to get treated, I started to get better. I, I continued to get better till about three years after, till 2013, at which point I kind of plateaued at about, I, I, the way I describe it is I, I never really recovered fully. I, I was always about 85 or 90% of, uh, of, of the human I had been before I got sick. Wow. I'm curious about the false negatives that you got regarding Lyme disease early on in your testing with this. What happens with misdiagnoses of Lyme disease in the U.S.? The diagnostic tests that are used, I mean, there are really two of them. Uh, there is a titer, which is, you know, the way to think about it is it's, you know, they take the blood and they check for antibodies uh, that are related to the to the, to the Lyme bacteria. And it's like either an on or off switch. It comes back as either saying you've got Lyme or not. Problem with it is there are a lot of false positives and false negatives. Hmm. And then you have a second test that you're supposed to give, uh, frankly, only if the first test comes back positive, called a Western blot test that looks for specific antibodies that are specific to different proteins that are part of the uh, the Lyme bacteria. Lyme disease is a clinical diagnosis and should be a clinical diagnosis. And what they mean by that is the doctor is supposed to look at all the facts, the tests just being one of them. And the problem is these tests are, are faulty. They're, they're 35, 40-year-old technology. They haven't been updated. So this, this bacteria burrows into the body. It doesn't stay in the bloodstream for, for very long. So it's very hard to detect it once it's out of the bloodstream, mm. um, which is f fairly early in the progression of, of the disease. Uh, this isn't the case of, of Lyme. Obviously, the, mm. the other tick-borne diseases all have other, you know, different mechanisms. Last year, if there were 42,000 cases reported, there were probably 500,000 cases actually of, of Lyme disease uh, in the U.S., and that continues to grow. This is a worldwide problem. It's happening throughout Europe and certain parts of uh, Asia and Africa and South America. So this is a very, very big problem. And of those people, you know, even if you catch it early, at least, you know, 20% or something like that are not getting better from that standard two to three weeks of antibiotics. What do we do to fix this? Awareness is obviously for the first part of it. And finding this is an unrecognized epidemic, right? But what do we do to fix it? Look, I think the, um, the, the challenge uh, that tick-borne disease poses is that there's more that we don't know about these diseases than we know. We need more research. We need more science. Science is going to be the way out of this. The reason I tend to focus on awareness is, you know, if you think about where that money can come from, it's, it's going to come from some combination of the government, with, which, you know, with, with one extra zero, the government could make a real difference. 
so one of the things Project Lime does is is we have funded something called the Lime Center for Action, which is a, a group that's focused on lobbying. Um, I've been personally involved in lobbying uh, at both the state and federal level level, you know, for for legislation related to tick-borne disease, which I think is right up your alley. Um, you know, the biggest potential provider of capital to the space is the is the private sector, and I'm a private sector person, private equity investor. And so uh, part of what we're trying to do is convince people who are either in venture capital or biotech that there are, you know, there's several billion dollar companies uh, to be created through the creation of better diagnostics and therapeutics, you know, within the tick-borne disease space and try to attract that kind of money coming into the space. Wow. That's huge. So I remember as a kid um, getting lots and lots of tick bites all the time, right? My friends and I all did. And I know people now who actually have Lyme disease from the last, from getting tick bites in the last few years. And I, I wonder, you know, now, I mean, I'm afraid to get a single tick bite, right? That it might be Lyme disease, but it happened all the time when I was a kid. What's the difference? Has something changed? I don't think we have a great understanding um, you know, there is a sort of a well-known story of Otsi, I think is the name of the, of the Iceman that they found from 5,000 years ago that was found to have Lyme disease. So there's, there's a belief system around the idea that Lyme disease has been around forever. And when you were younger, you know, the, the ticks were either not as rife with these diseases or it's possible that our immune systems were, for whatever reason, better able to deal with them. Mm -hmm. uh, we just don't know. I mean, there's, as I said, there's a vast body of information that we don't really understand about, uh, about Lyme and other tick-borne diseases. Right. So as we close, let me ask you one more question. Based on your experience um, in, with healthcare in the U.S., if you could change one thing about U.S. healthcare, what would it be? I'm also getting a master's in public health at uh, Columbia at the moment. So I've studied the biggest issue is lack of understanding, lack of true knowledge on the part of uh, the medical community. A certain degree of hubris, frankly, they take the position that Lyme disease is difficult to catch, easy to diagnose, and easy to treat with two to three weeks of antibiotics. And all three of those um, under many circumstances are false. Wow. And so doctors are not trained to diagnose and treat these diseases. Project Lyme is focused on that. We're, we're, we're teamed up with a group called, Bay, with, with the other group uh, that's focused on research called Bay Area Lyme. Uh, we raise money for them and critical that we get more money into research. And the only way we're going to do that is if we massively increase the awareness of these diseases. David, thank you very much for being with us today. Pleasure. This has been the 10-Minute Health BizCast, broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks very much for joining us.